Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Though much has changed in the workforce over the last few years, one thing remains the same. Companies still have a need for skilled workers. Have you guys seen the various company help wanted signs that dot the expressways with bonuses to sign to boot? And yet, unemployment still hovers at just under 4%. This so-called jobs paradox the fact that companies are still struggling to find workers with the skills they need despite high employment means that workforce development remains critical. The U.S. unemployment rate declined a smidge from 4% in January 2022 to 3.8 in February, which was a new pandemic low, by the way. The number of unemployed people is around 6.2 million. In February 2020, prior to the pandemic, the unemployment rate was 3.5% with about 5.7 million unemployed. Some sectors were hit harder than others, but the fact is we need skilled workers who want to work and get ahead in life. And one of the best ways for workers to do that is through education and enhanced skills. So here today to talk more about this topic is my first guest, Shantania Brown, President and CEO of Employ Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, Shaitania. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Tell us about Employ Milwaukee. Give us a little history lesson. Mm -hmm. So Employ Milwaukee, um, and I, I make it a point to explain this to people, we're not your typical nonprofit. We're what is called a workforce development board. There's 11 of us in the state of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, of course, Employ County. Okay. Well, how did you get your start in workforce development? Actually, it's kind of, um, you know, and I, I make it a point when I have opportunity to explain to folks who come to us, you, the road you travel is oftentimes not straight. So prior to coming to workforce development, I came from corrections. Um, I was a probation parole agent and um, working um, with the state, with the Department of Corrections. And, you know, the type of person that I am, I'm the type of person who really wants to help people. And, and that's not to say that corrections does not help people, but um, one day I was in my office and just thinking about the work that I was doing, and I was seeing overwhelmingly 17-year-olds. My caseload was comprised of 17-year-olds. I didn't even know at that time that 17-year-olds in the state of Wisconsin are charged as adults. And so um, getting uh, dispositions from court, and looking at um, those dispositions, which states that and people have to have jobs, um, yet here's a 17-year-old without a high school diploma. Um, but this disposition requires, you know, this individual to get a job, get a driver's license, all of these things. And at the same time, I'm looking at the driver's license is suspended. Never had one, but it depended on the offense. Um, folks in Wisconsin get their driver's license suspended for certain types of offenses, even though they not they do not have one. And that's almost a contradiction to the term of getting employment, okay. because how am I supposed to get there? Right. So, um, you know, that was a gut check. I really want to be on the preventative side um, versus the punitive side. 
And I had the opportunity to go back to my old high school and work as a um, step-up coordinator, which is like a career counselor, working with at-risk youth who were borderline dropping out. And um, that's when I got introduced to the Workforce Development Board. And at that time, we were the private industry council. And um, that's when I learned all about this world of workforce development. had no clue of the term, let alone what it meant. And um, I found my niche when I came over to uh, workforce development, started out as a step-up coordinator, got promoted to the manager of the program, then promoted to the director of programs for the agency as a whole, then promoted to vice president of um, programs. I did two stints at the state of Wisconsin and the Department of Workforce Development, um, appointed um, by both the Walker and Evers administration. And so really um, had the opportunity to grow in this workforce development space. And then when the opportunity presented itself for me to come back to Milwaukee to lead the organization that I have collectively spent over 23 years at, mm-hmm. um, I just saw that was kind of my destiny to mm-hmm. come back. And, and I was actually groomed <laughs> to take the role as the president and CEO of Employ Milwaukee. Mm, and here you are making quite an impact. Um, what would you say is the vision? Share the vision of Employ Milwaukee with us. So, you know, there's the standard vision of connecting job seekers to employers. Um, But really, my vision is to, as the president and CEO of the organization, is to help people become their best selves, whatever that is. Um, We have employers who have needs, and we have job seeker who has needs. And really connecting those two dots. Um, Milwaukee is so resource-rich um, but at the same time, we find ourselves disjointed with some, something so simple as connecting a job seeker to an employer, yet that becomes the biggest challenge or barrier that we oftentimes, we're hearing it from the employers and we're hearing it also from the end of the job seeker. And so the vision is to make that path as seamless as possible and in turn help people become their best selves and get to a place of self-sufficiency. Mm. Well, I look at the the landscape of of workforce development or just just how companies are doing things differently uh, as a result of the pandemic. And, you know, teleworking or remote working has become more common as a result of the pandemic. And, and companies, I think, are doing a great job at adjusting to this new normal. Um, now perhaps we can just fine-tune our broadband infrastructure to support that, mm-hmm. obviously. But um, how would you say the pandemic affected your organization? Have you been impacted by the pandemic? And if so, how? We have. Um, We were actually classified as essential workers um, to the extent that, again, there were employers still employing people. There were people still looking for employment. You know, every day we looked at the news, um, there were significant issues with unemployment. Um, We get the warrant notices for Milwaukee County when employers are laying off and they were just coming in. I mean, we were getting tons of them a week. Um, of employees being laid off, and yet at the same time, people were having difficulty accessing the unemployment um, portals and getting their benefits and the things they needed to sustain. So folks were looking for work in the midst of a pandemic where we was all supposed to kind of shelter in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But then there was, you know, the essential things. People needed groceries. People needed toiletries. And those employers who produce all those things needed employees. So we were still in the middle of all of that, helping individuals connect to those employers. So while we went remote, 
Um, and thank goodness we were in a position that um, at the time, actually the day I started was the day that Governor Evers' um, shelter-in-place order was put out there. And um, so just thinking about it, a new CEO coming in, yeah. and, I, and I'm remote already without seeing my team, but I had an excellent IT staff that got us ready. But we've had to pivot in everything. Um, that we did from how we do job. We were hosting job fairs during the pandemic, but we were doing them in a way that was either virtual or we did, you know how you drive up to a restaurant Mm -hmm. and get your food? We had drive-through job fairs. Well, Um, you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to do what you got to (laughs) do. As you say, you learn to pivot (laughs) and you learn how to do things differently. Absolutely. And so, yes, it it impacted us, but also in a good way because while we – Band-Aid our way through the pandemic for this um, virtual stuff, we also um, decided that we would add to our service delivery a virtual platform so that the person can access us from A to Z virtually and never have to come into an office. So we're in the middle of building that out now, and and we're not turning back. Mm. Well, that's exciting. Um, What impact do you want Employee Milwaukee to have in our community? And let's say post-pandemic. Let's just go with that. You know, just let's not even think about Mm pre-pandemic or because of the pandemic. Let's just across the board. What impact do you want Employ Milwaukee to have? Employ Milwaukee has um, grown significantly um, since I've been there. We've always been an organization who's been creative and innovative in the work that we do. Uh, But really, my role and my vision for the organization is to amplify our impact, is to really make known to the community all of the resources, all of the programming, all of the activity that employ Milwaukee. And so if anybody would Google um, myself or our organization, you'd see all kinds of stuff. Just yesterday, we did the official launch with um, Mobilize, with concert with Sewer Pack and um, the county executive and the mayor just really launching different ways of getting people to employment. So the impact would be um, just really thinking outside the box, making the impossible possible. No, I like that, making the impossible possible. Um, well, when we talk about community impacts like, like you just were, I think it's important to understand that one way to maximize impact and expand your impact is through partnerships, Right. Um, So stay tuned, and when we come back, Shaitania will talk about why partnerships are key for them in advancing their mission. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Shaitania Brown, President and CEO from Employ Milwaukee. I don't think we can ever underestimate the power of collaboration and partnerships, not only in the nonprofit sector, of course, but in business and personal relationships as well. I think it just helps build a stronger bond with stronger impact in so many ways. Um, tell us, Shaitania, what role collaborative efforts and partnerships play within Employ Milwaukee? They are essential. Um, no one in this in Wisconsin can really solve the ills of the world or the issues. And in, even in this space of workforce development and the challenges that we have with employment, it's not to be solved only by an Employ Milwaukee. Um, this is where partnerships and collaborations are essential because we really need to understand the lane that we play in, the strengths that we have, 
And I always tell people, you partner and collaborate to your weaknesses to try and do, be the be-all and do-all. Um, in regard, you, you sell things short, you sell the opportunity short to the people you're trying to serve, as well as you put your agency in a position um, sometimes where you expand its capacity or even you, what I call scope creep, you go beyond um, what the vision and mission is because you're trying to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are other people who are in this space who has it down packed, who has the relationships, um, who can do it better. And this is how you braid what we call in our world braid resources because there's, you know, we're always talking about we need more money, we need more money, but we if we come together in partnerships and collaborations, I bring my resources to the table, you bring your resources to the table, now we got more resources to play with. Right. And that is why partnerships and collaborations are essential. And again, we all say we got the same vision and mission in mind, and yet we want to play on an island by ourselves. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Right. And so, um, you know, really for me, I want to push as my, you know, as the leader of Employment Milwaukee, really push this notion of one Milwaukee where we all come together to solve the same problem that we all say that we're here to solve. If it's employment, if it's mental health, if it's education, if it's all these things, like that's where partnership and collaboration is essential. We're all in this together and it's going to take a collective mind and collective resources in order to really see the impact and the change that we all say we want to see. That's, that's so right. I'm thinking about a, uh, a nonprofit I interviewed a while ago that said it's it's unfortunate because sometimes there sometimes there's competition mm-hmm. in the sector and and she she was getting frustrated and saying I don't know why that is because again we're all just trying to do our best to come together and provide the best that we can provide and not one can do it all and so like you said before let's do what we do well and then collaborate or partner partner with an organization that does what they do well. Mm -hmm. And then you have the best of both worlds, I think. Um, Let's get a feel for the various programs or initiatives that are going on with Employ Milwaukee and or in conjunction with your partners. So we serve youth as young as 14, and there is no cap on um, the age of individuals that we serve. So we have many programs. Uh, One in particular that I want to bring up that we're about to get ready for is our Earn and Learn initiative, which focuses on young people for the summer. Um, giving young people work experience opportunities um, in the summertime to gain, you know, wages as well as that work experience. Um, For some, it's their first job. For others, it's putting them into opportunities that they have particular interest in. And so we're always looking for um, employers, private sector, nonprofit, faith-based to come to the table because when you hear from every professional Um, That first work experience or getting those opportunities early on um, are the things that led them to positive pathways um, in their future. And then, two, um, some other programs that we have and one partner um, that will be speaking shortly is really around our reentry opportunities that we have for individuals coming out of incarceration. That's something youth development and uh, reentry programs are near and dear to me. Those are the two um, areas where I feel... um, you can have the greatest impact in the shortest amount of time with young people as well as individuals coming out of incarceration. And um, they also become a significant pipeline. When we talk about shortage of workers, they become a significant pipeline to address some of those um, concerns or issues around not having enough bodies, um, but rethinking how we envision 
the ability and what these individuals bring to the table. Hmm. Well, lots of great things going on. Lots of things that uh, you're doing that you can be very proud of. Um, what would you say has been the most rewarding to you as president and CEO? That might be a challenging question because you may have a number of things, but is there one thing in particular? Yeah, so I would say, you know, um, as I mentioned early on, I started the day that Governor Evers' order, the um, shelter-at-home order went into place, and for, for Employee Milwaukee, we never stopped. And, you know, for a lot of agencies, they shut down. Um, my team has has been open, ready, willing, and able. We continued, even in the pandemic, we ran a summer program. We still continue to do partnerships. And um, that's the most thing that's been impactful for me is we've been able to continue. So um, I pat myself on the back. I pat my team on the back. I pat all of my supporters, my partners, <laughs> the community. They rally behind us. Um, to get word out in the street, we created a program called the Community Resource Navigator Program during the pandemic. And that was really about um, individuals um, who had been laid off because of the pandemic. We had gotten some resources from the CARES Act. The city of Milwaukee gave us funding as well as Milwaukee County. And they became what I call the helping hands. They were those um, people were short of volunteers for the food banks and the food pantries. Remember, the pandemic created a huge disparity when it came down to food security. Mm -hmm. And so these community resource navigators, in the midst of a pandemic, deployed themselves um, to go out, work with um, getting food prepared, delivering food to families. Um, when it came down to vaccinations, they were on the front lines doing vaccinations, helping get the word out of where people can go to. Um, and so, really, we never stopped. And I'm so proud of the fact that we didn't let the pandemic um, disable us from the role and the importance that we play in the community. And the fact that, you know, I had team members who was willing to still be on the front line in spite of the fact we didn't even know about this pandemic, the impact of the COVID-19 and, um, you know, how harmful it was or what it could do to us, but yet people were all about service. Mm. And and that's what I'm about. That's what our organization about is being able to serve others. And I think that's the motivation that, that keeps people going because you can't get rich in these jobs. It's not about getting rich, but it's really about what can you do for others. Yeah. Servant leadership, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you exhibit that very well. Um, so for those that are listening, if they are either unemployed or maybe it's a a corporation that has some job openings, or maybe it's just somebody that wants to learn more about Employ Milwaukee. Uh, how can the community support you in your efforts? So we have um, our website. Individuals can, you know, go to employmilwaukee.org to our website and look at, we have um, information forms. So if they want to know more information about us or a particular program, or if they want to sign up to be a work site, um, to take on some young interns for the summer or if um, individuals are interested in a particular program that we have to offer. And there's opportunities as well um, to make donations. We are always looking for um, what we call unrestricted revenue. We get funding from um, the federal government, and oftentimes that comes with limitations and restrictions. But being able to have um, funding 
that is unrestricted that allows us to expand our programs to offer it to more people versus the said persons that a grant may say you can only serve. Um, it allows us to expand and, and allow more people into uh, particular trainings as well as being creative, thinking outside the box. I mean, that's me. I'm, I'm a Libra is a zodiac sign, so it says part of our thing is being creative and innovative. And so um, I really get excited when I have the opportunity to think of um, new ways to do business and new ways to connect to people and new ways to tell our story and to bring people into um, this landscape of workforce development. Mm. Well, it's great to be creative and flexible and innovative and all those great things. And uh, I appreciate you being here today, Shaitania Brown, uh, CEO and President of uh, Employee Milwaukee. Thank you for sharing all the things that you're doing and the great ways you're making an impact in the city. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to come and share our story. You are very welcome. Uh, there's a quote by Winston Churchill that speaks to the philosophy of our next guest. The quote says, to improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Our next nonprofit guest is continually looking for ways to improve the programs and services they deliver to the community, which in turn is a part of the solution for our workforce development challenges. So stay tuned and you'll learn more about this next nonprofit when we return. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and my next guest today is Carl Wesley, President and CEO of the Center for Self-Sufficiency. Welcome to the show today, Carl. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're welcome. So the Winston Churchill quote that I stated before the break, I'll restate it again, and it says, to improve is to change, to be perfect is to change often. Now, I got to say that no matter how much change takes place, no one or no thing is ever perfect, I don't believe, this side <laughs> of heaven at least. But tell us how this quote speaks to your philosophy and the mission at Center for Self-Sufficiency? Well, yeah. Well, I'll say our mission, um, and, it, and it connects well, our mission is to provide a foundation for people to actualize their hope and motivation to, to have a good life. And, and it's complex and simple all together. Um, one of our values is evolve immediately because we, are, we, we take the approach to service using data and evidence-based practices. And because we use that, we know that when you are constantly monitoring and evaluating, then you, you're, you're making the adjustments that you see need, that are needed in order to make the, the uh, program more perfect. Uh, um, so, I mean, I, I, that's where I, I look at the perfection piece is just moving toward perfection. Mm. Um, and, and that's just getting better every time and being flexible to uh, and malleable to in order to be better, I think that um, our ability to be data informed and outcome driven uh, really helps us in that in that regard. And I think it's it's that's a great way again that you can look at something and say, I want to be here. I'm here. What's it going to take to get me there? And if you have data that supports the the ways that you can do that. Um, Maybe it's easier uh, to put those things in place. 
perhaps. And I think, again, nobody ever reaches that perfection state, but as you said, constantly moving forward uh, and just shooting for something, uh, um, whether it's immediate or you said some, you know, more short term <laughs> versus long term. But um, yeah, I think I think that's uh, it's a great mission. Uh, what makes the center unique as far as it being a nonprofit organization? Well, I think what uh, makes us unique, uh, I, I say the secret in our sauce. Uh, the secret the pe- sauce. <laughs> it's the people that, 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 um, that we work with that work in the center. Um, we, all, we call our people, uh, the people we serve, and the people that work there, we call everybody members. Mm-hmm. Um, b- because the, the idea is that, that we're not separate in our struggles. Whoever we're working with, it's because we, we are intertwined in our struggle. We understand that the individuals and the families that we, we work to strengthen, if we strengthen those families, it strengthens everybody. It strengthens the community. It strengthens everybody around us. So we're all, we all understand that, that connection. And so we have people who work in our, in our agency who've, who've been incarcerated. We have people who work in our agency who come from the communities that we serve and who are still living in those communities. They have a vested interest in, in seeing the change. And, and they um, have been steeped in research as well. So they, they like me, um, feel like this is our life's work. And one thing I don't want to do is waste my time, mm-hmm. uh, my precious time on this planet doing something that's not working. And the only way we can find that out is through constant evaluation and, and, and rigorous uh, um, ways to look at um, the, the research and um, putting, in, uh, the, putting in effect what we see uh, is a need, even when it's not always popular. Right. Sometimes, you know, there somebody has to be the first and we're not fearful of being the first to try something new. Uh, I think that positions us uh, differently than than most nonprofit uh, around the city. Very good. Very nice. Yeah. You can't be afraid to try something new, especially in the climate we're in. Right. I mean, who would have thought that we would have to do things a certain way based on this pandemic? Definitely. You know, you just have to to keep moving forward and and do your best. Um, How do you think your background, Carl, prepared you for this role in in the nonprofit world? Yeah, what You're me, smiling. What yeah, for, how do you prepare for beer? Right. Uh, um, no, my background is in education. I came from. I came through uh, the higher ed ranks. I worked at uh, UW Platteville for several years, and then I moved on to uh, work in various positions uh, from there. And then uh, UW Madison, I worked at uh, for for multiple years in various positions. Um, and a lot of my work had been centered on the same communities that we serve now, uh, but it had been really working with the youth. Uh, on accessing them before they're touched by the justice system and getting them into uh, early intervention programs for education, pre-college programs, things like that. Um, and while I've been, while I have been doing that, I I would still take notice to who was who weren't there, who's who's being accessed still, and then how do we um, make the, a greater impact? And so one of the things I, I had the opportunity. Um, when I looked at this position, uh, when it was opening up, to be able to affect some change at, as what I call the ground floor. Uh, this, you know, when I come to, to Milwaukee to, to engage with folks who are actually in the justice system, uh, it makes it different than, than uh, working with the, the youth that I worked with prior to that. So I think I, I really got prepared in, in just being in the community, but also being trained in various forms of leadership, 
Um, I always say leaders are not born, not great ones. They're they're trained. They're, you, you you have to go through uh, some training and education, and, and I've gone through a lot of it all the way through my doctorate in educational leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, uh, uh, my formal education has prepared me. My own experience, uh, I was a kid who was uh, uh, who went through the system as, as a child uh, in foster care and, and the juvenile justice system. So um, I felt like my own experience it combined with my educational, my formal educational experience, uh, greatly prepared me to, to, to work with this uh, with this agency and the people we serve. Well, it sounds like it. Well, you have a lot of great experience that's taken you to this place. Um, in the work that you do, I'm curious what you've seen or what you think is the biggest factor in helping these people that you serve to become self-sufficient. I think the, the the major factor in in uh, helping folks that that we serve become self sufficient is is I call it uh, popping the clutch, right? I don't know if any you all folks anybody out there riding a manual uh, transmission, but I, I had a manual transmission in high school and uh, my starter went out and uh, so we we have me and my friends we going to lunch or something and I need you to pop the clutch. You got to get behind me and push the car. And uh, and then I pop the clutch and it starts and everybody gets in. Well, that's kind of how the work goes that we do. We 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 work to get people self sufficient, which means I'm not going to push your car all around the city, <laughs> but I'll push you a little bit to get sure. you going. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of folks just need that push. They need they need somebody to help them out and give them a push. And once they get the push and they got the way to the go and they got their route, they do well. And that's what we've seen. We I've seen people do well once they get. Um, that that little leg up that that oftentimes uh, folks need and, and and people they start doing it on their own. And I imagine you're building um, trust in in your relationships. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that's how we get to do it, right? And because no one's going to listen to you. There's an old uh, saying that uh, people don't care what you know until they know you care. Mm. So you you have to build um, that trust and, and and establish the rapport, and that takes time. And um, and so what we do for especially for the folks that we work with uh, that are incarcerated, we we go in sometimes 12 months pre-release and start building that rapport and start working with them, finding out about not only uh, them, but their families, where they're going home to. We work with the families that they're going home to. Uh, we this the holistic approach to uh, addressing recidivism is is looking at all of the factors, not just the, the 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 ones that have been identified as the the top three or top four, but we look at all the factors and and then we create the plan based on the individual that we're working with, and I think that that really helps us a lot in that in that establishment of that trust. Hmm. Do do you think um, I hear what you're saying? I think it's I, I agree. I think trust is so. So important. I'm curious if you think that this um, recidivism is the biggest issue facing young people today in our community. Well, I think it's an issue. Um, I think recidivism, uh, individuals who are um, come out of incarceration and um, feel like they don't have the necessary or don't always have the necessary resources, um, oftentimes they, they don't have the hope uh, that they're going to do well. And it becomes easier to slip back into old thinking traps and, and back into old uh, uh, patterns and habits and going around same places and things like that. So n- not having that the, the type of hope or feel that, that you really have help out here. 
and that people are really rooting for you uh, to do well and that there's there's resources available that are actually really uh, uh, real because we have so many people who have had bad experiences and things like that when, when they do get to a place that are really committed to doing the work, really committed to helping them like Employee Milwaukee, like Center for Self-Sufficiency and countless others who are really committed. Their experience sometimes have been colored from something that happened five years ago. Mm-hmm. So we, we often have to, to, to work to change that uh, perception. And then once that's changed, then um, it's easier to get, them, to get them on board. And, and I think that definitely... Uh, helps get them connected to the resources that that they need, like jobs, uh, which is a major factor. Employment is a major factor in in uh, predict being a predictor of recidivism, but but also family uh, engagement and uh, pro social uh, activities and being able to do things. We often tell folks who are coming out of prison what not to do, but we never tell them here are some things that you can do. Here, we we take out of the hole we have to put back in. So that's what that's what we try to do, and I think that really helps with, with addressing uh, reoffense. Taking it to them uh, from a positive perce- yes. perspective. This is what you can do instead of from uh, the negative. That's great. Um, research shows that uh, employment is is so critical, which you've just said, Carl. In terms of reducing the number of times someone will reoffend. Uh, in fact, formerly incarcerated people who maintained employment for one year post-release had only a 16% recidivism rate over three years as compared to 52% for those who did not maintain employment. And we also know that in order for people to stay unemployed, they need programs that'll help educate them, motivate them, keep them involved and engaged in the educational process. And we've been talking about that throughout the the whole interview so far. Uh, We're going to talk more about that, though. So stay tuned. You're going to get more information on how the Center for Self-Sufficiency is helping with this. We'll be right back after commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Carl Wesley, President and CEO of the Center for Self-Sufficiency. So the stats that I stated before the break show that formerly incarcerated people who maintained employment for one year post-release had only a 16% recidivism rate over three years as compared to 52% for those who did not maintain employment. So we know, obviously, that employment is a key factor here. So how does the Center for Self-Sufficiency ensure engagement in your programs? One of the major pieces, I think, for, for those folks who are returning is definitely uh, rooted in our ability to build that relationship early. Um, you know, what what we do is when we go in those for those uh, sometimes 12 months pre-release, um, we work with them, figuring out what their needs are. We set up a plan. And, it's, you know, employment is a major factor in that. So uh, oftentimes individuals will be incarcerated and they'll get out and they don't have a birth certificate. They don't have an ID, driver's license. They don't have a Social Security card. These We know these things are things that are needed to, to get employment. Right, right. And sometimes they can take a couple of weeks to get those when you're, from, when you're born in Mississippi or born somewhere else and you got to get those things sent. We get all those things while you're incarcerated. So when you get released and you 
come to us, we have all of those documents already ready for you. We already got job leads set up. We've already done workforce development training with them pre-release mm. on soft skills, which we found from employers that, that is the hard skills. So we stopped even using the term soft skills. We call it sustainability skills. Ah, this is okay. These are the skills that sustains your employment. And um, and so to get people to start looking at it more importantly. Uh, and, and so those those are the ways building that relationship and doing that over that period of time really has, I think, been the glue that have kept them connected in our program. And I got people, like I said, who are, who work in this in this space, they go out and get them. So if you don't show up or if, you, if you're supposed to be somewhere, you're not, I got people who will go to whatever neighborhood in Milwaukee, will knock on any door in Milwaukee, they don't care if it's dogs or they don't care, and they'll go get them. And, and once you see that type of commitment from people, it, 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 I've, I've rarely seen somebody uh, not, not um, you know, uh, uh, adhere um, to, to uh, participating in the program when we keep continuing to press on them. Yeah, so you are, you're getting them early so that when they're released, they can hit the ground running. So yes, that and we have a relationship that gap. Yeah, yeah, yes. you narrow that gap. Who would you say is your target audience then? Um, our target audience is um, folks in Milwaukee, right? Everybody, uh, uh, essentially. So we don't, we, we work with individuals as one of our segments uh, who are who are returning from incarceration. We work with their entire family as well. Mm -hmm. So what that means, what that looks like, is an individual comes into our program, they fill out an entry assessment form, they do their needs assessment, and we have a self-sufficiency matrix that we we, we, uh, administer to them as well. And in that, we find out about their family, we find out who they're releasing to, what's your support system when you get home. And what we try to do is build in that support system. So we go out and we meet the family. We talk to them. We do a self-sufficiency matrix with them, find out what programs the kids are involved in, if they're kids in the house, is the, does the, uh, the custodial parent of the kids need employment training, different things like that. Because what we found is, is that if you just pour all the resources into the individual who was returning, but they're returning to an environment that is hectic and it's a lot of chaos and turmoil and that has not had a lot of healing. So we put a lot of healing into the individual, but not the family that was that was traumatized from their removal. Then oftentimes they go into a bad situation and then they reoffend Mm. for whatever reason. They get into some stress. They go drink. They go do different things back into the same thinking traps and antisocial behaviors that I talked about before. And uh, that just does not do well for for recidivism because uh, individuals just don't have it easy enough to, 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 to live a good life. So what we do, we build in that family and we, we can stabilize the structure uh, that they're coming home to and work and build in that. We have family mediation, different things like that as a part of these programs. So that's, that's what we do. We try to take this holistic approach to not only helping this individual, we're helping the entire family. Mm. And then, like I said before, when we can transform families and strengthen families, we pull families out of poverty. And, and mostly all of these issues are undergirded by poverty. If we can get folks out of poverty, we can stop the poverty crimes. We can stop petty crimes and stealing and different things like that once we can move in th- from there. And then that transforms the, the landscape of our community. Yeah, look first at what the problem is and then how you can provide the solutions, right? Definitely. Um, well, so how do you measure success then? Well, as I said, I'm a researcher, uh, uh, so, so uh, uh, by, by trade and training. Um, so we research everything. 
but not just internally. So because I'm a researcher, I understand the ethics in that. We, we contract out with external researchers. So whenever we write a grant or a contract proposal, we write in the external evaluation. We want to not just investigative evaluation. I mean, investigative has its merits, but I like impact evaluation. Mm-hmm. I want to know, when we put these dollars in, what's coming out on the other end and what's the value of that? So if I can uh, uh, curb recidivism for 50 guys, what's the dollar amount that that look like for the system that we took that strength off of because not only we, we took them out of going into be strains on the system and put them in to uh, on the tax rolls because they're employed and they're and now they're contributing to the system so in in us and how we measure success for our programs like I said we use external evaluation we use internal evaluation we use surveys um, we have an in, we have an internal person that uh, does all of our data and data warehousing we we have a external um, um, platform that we house all of our data in so that we can pull up dashboards and different things like that to see how we're doing in real time. But 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 more importantly, to make those real time adjustments. Uh, I don't want to find out at the end of the program that the program didn't work. Oh, right. You know, yeah. I want to know yeah. in real time so we can make those adjustments so then that we can, because if it's the program's not working, that means we're not serving the folks that we need to serve. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about impact. Do you partner with other agencies in order to increase that impact in the city? Yes, yes, one thousand percent. We we partner with uh, tons of agencies. Uh, in addition to Employee Milwaukee Community Advocates, uh, SDC, Mindful Staffing, uh, Flood the Hood with Dreams. We partner with large uh, entities as well as grassroots. Um, but because I said before, it's a holistic approach. Um, if it, uh, individuals issues are they vary from person to person so what we found is the cookie cutter approach just doesn't work we have to get to that person figure out what their needs are and then we build the coalitions around that individual needs now we have a bunch of folks that are already a part of this that are already on the team so we we got folks we can just pick up the phone they know who i am they know who my staff person is and we say we got this person over here and they need this um this person might need some mental health uh, um, access where this person may not need mental health as- access so it wouldn't make sense to build it as a cookie cutter but we don't want to not have it and this person needs it so right. what we try to do is individualize some of our uh, uh, approach as far as the resources to get the person what they need instead of over programming them and, and giving them things that they don't need mm, and that's a great way to maximize impact right definitely I mean, you're not you're not uh uh, you're defining what the need is first. You're doing, doing a needs assessment, if you will. And yes, then exactly saying, what we're doing. Yeah, a needs assessment first. Yeah, yep. And then saying, okay, based on these needs, we're going to do this. So it's a great way to uh, enhance or increase your, your impact. Um, a lot of great things that we talked about today. We never have enough time to talk about everything, but we're just here to plant a little mustard seed so people can become familiar with your nonprofit organization. Um, how can the community support, if they're looking to do that, how can they support the Center for Self-Sufficiency? Uh, well, we always uh, look for volunteers and uh, folks to, to come down, especially for mentors. We're we always looking for mentors uh, and coaches, uh, for some of our individuals who are returning from incarceration, uh, just to get somebody who's not a part of the program, but that can give them some jewels and, and, and also tell them like some pathways that they that they found 
um, to be successful because we know everybody's path is not for everybody. But right. so the more um, you, diversity you can hear uh, about these stories, the, the more you might have the opportunity to, to latch on one that works best for you. So that's the the, uh, the one of the uh, major pieces. Uh, folks can reach us, look, in, uh, look at our website. There's always opportunities. Uh, Center Inc., C-E-N-T-E-R-I-N-C dot org uh, is the website. And um, we're always getting new projects and new programs in, and we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for resources to add to programs. I'll quickly say, like, one, we had, we'll get federal funds for um, maybe serving, strengthening families and things like that, but some of our needs may not be covered in a grant. So we've gone out and tried to find those needs. We've, we've had uh, needs to get families to come visit. When we're strengthening families, we've got to get the kids and the families out there to visit, but we didn't always have the resources there, so we reach out and we find resources from other places to, as uh, uh, Shaitanya said, to braid those uh, resources together uh, in order to adequately serve them and, and not miss uh, things that are needed. Very nice. Well, let's let's have you repeat the uh, the website just so people can be sure to either write that down or you know, make sure yeah. it stays in their It's www.centerinc.org. Okay. Well, thank you for being here today, Carl Wesley, President and CEO of the Center for Self-Sufficiency. I uh, appreciate the information that you shared, and thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for having me. It was a, it's a pleasure. You're welcome. I also want to thank Shaitania Brown, president of Employ Milwaukee. I actually want to thank you both for the educational opportunities you provide, the support, the encouragement for the people, and the various ways that you support workforce development. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to learn more about your organization, so thank you. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to the education, the health, the wealth, and the prosperity of our community. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio. You can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. And you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So think about if workforce development is a topic that interests you. Maybe it's a topic that brings out a certain passion in you to help in some way. And then decide if there's a way you want to donate your time, your talent, or your resources to either of the nonprofits we talked to today, Employ Milwaukee and the Center for Self-Sufficiency. Donating, volunteering, advocating, these are all ways that you can be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.